0: It is the technology show where we translate geek into regular speak. I am suffering from massive FOMO this week. So my background image that you can see is uh, the Fiera Via Grande. I don't even know if I pronounced that correctly, but it's the really big exhibition center in Barcelona, which was home to Mobile World Congress 2022 last week. And I think this is now the off here that I haven't been able to go. So, massive FOMO. What was quite interesting, though, is although the vent was somewhat scaled down, as you can imagine, with uh, COVID still running around and, and rearing its nasty little head, um, a lot of people chose not to travel, some chose not to have stands. That being said, though, apparently it was still very well um, presented. There was a, there was actually a lot more freedom to move around if you've ever been to the show. It's uh, it's not the easiest place in the world to actually navigate, so um, yeah, I uh, I thought well every year I do a I do a show all about Mobile World Congress, and um, this year is going to be no different. So a little bit different from um, oh I've lost some steps to share my screen. This is a bit weird now that we're live, but um, anyway, so a little bit different from normal. Um, I'm not going to do things with a Z. I'm not going to do, uh, what's, are you game? I'm just going to basically do what I found out at Mobile World Congress. And it looks like my slides are not prepared to work. So that's going to be interesting. Let's see if I can get it to play from inside. Um, no, it won't do that as well. Oh, well. Well, let's see what happens. We'll try our luck. It just says, yeah, I need to follow steps. So it's lost. It's lost permissions. Well done, StreamYard. Don't know how you lost positions. Um, I need to go my system time I'm going to actually try and do this while I'm live and then see what happens. So basically, um, as I said, there was quite a few uh, less people that were there. Um, the Usuals were there. The Samsungs were there and all the, um, all the big brands that you expect. But it seemed like there was a lot more focus on the actual telcos and, more importantly, um, what mobile is going to look like as we move forward, so that was quite interesting because normally when I have gone in the past years, um, I actually haven't really attended any of those uh, symposiums, so um, yeah, the, the, the whole obviously the whole chat was on 5G and connectivity and those type of things, I am um, now inside my settings while we are talking, they say men can't multitask, well clearly we still can't multitask because I am there. <laughs> I'm there and I I'm still can't find the setting that I'm looking for. So um anyway, basically um I'm gonna have to just do this now without using my screen sharing, which is a bit of a pity seeing that I went and actually did all the uh, all the prep. And it says here if I want to update it, then I have to reload Chrome, which will turn me off from this uh this broadcast, so we're doing it today without slides, unfortunately. So um, let's start off first of all what I did did come across in my uh, um, research for the show. So Oppo, which we all know as uh, a handset manufacturer, what you may or may not know is they actually have a charger and they use GAN technology. We've spoken about GAN before, G-A-N. And um, I think there's a 50 and 150 watt version of this charger. So they've now launched a 240 watt charger. Basically, what this means is that you'll be able to charge your phone from flat to full in 15 minutes. Now, that is quite something. I'm going to try something else here as a backup plan B. Look at that. All right, I've never used the internal slide mechanism before. So let's see what happens. There we go, that's what I was talking about. Um, I'm going to go like that, and that puts me into a bit more of a familiar um, space when it comes to controlling the show. Gotta love live shows, all the things that go wrong. So as you can see, it looks like a normal charger. The one that's on the screen shows the 65-watt supervook, I think that's how you pronounce it, V-O-O-C, and the 150 SuperVOOC. Well, as I said, they've now launched the 240. There's just one thing I want to mention about this, and I actually have spoken about this before as well on previous shows, is that you've got to be very careful when it comes to using charges that are not specified for your device. And more importantly, when it comes to using cheap charges, now I'm not suggesting for a second that the Oppo Super is a cheap charger. What I'm what the warning that I wanted to actually put out there today is that um basically not all phone batteries can support rapid charging or fast or quick charging. So please just check with your manufacturer's brand, uh, sorry, your manufacturer's specification. The iPhone, for example, can support fast charging. The top of the range Samsungs, maybe even the mid-tier can support um, quick charge. I know the Pixel can support quick charge, but there might be a couple of phones or there might be a couple of um, models within the phones that can't support quick charging. Don't actually know how to advance the slides on this. Let's see. if I just click that. Ah, oh, there we go. So all I have to do is click. Right. So, um the Realme GT2 Pro, okay? So Realme for those of you that don't know the phone, it's not it's not a common phone here in Australia. Realme's found its space in the more mid-market range. Um it's a Chinese manufacturer. They make pretty good phones at a really good price. That's always been their space. The gt2 pro however moves them into the flagship world so this was designed by Naoto fukasawa that's the picture of the gentleman that's there on the screen and if you look carefully if you are watching if you're not listening if you were listening then all of these technical glitches i suppose would have been irrelevant to you but he's actually put his signature underneath the badge at first i thought oh, i don't know if i like that but actually that was quite cool looking at the phone so the picture I've got up there kind of covers it, but just under the word real me that he's actually signed it. He's a very famous Japanese industrial designer. I had to look that up. I promise you I didn't know who Naoto Fukasawa was. Um, but this phone is really upping the ante. It's got basically hardly any um, bezels. The camera's been moved off to the corner. I have views on when a, a camera is not front and center, you know. but Apple's actually getting around that now with um, their center stage. Um, really good screen, good battery, uh, good camera configuration on the back. And as I said, it's it, it, it's from a brand that is very well known in the mid-tier range, and they're now moving up into um, you know a more premium range. So next, um, oh, all my cool animations are gone. I had like this badge that would have appeared, like anyway, but it's there. So at least I've got something to to show while we're talking. It kind of keeps the show in a bit of a familiar way. So if you are watching the screen, if you're not, it says Brett's best of MWC22 is the Honor Magic 4 Pro. Now this is a Huawei, this was originally a Huawei company. The Honor was like kind of their entry level offering uh, offering to the market. Broke away from uh, uh, from Huawei as a standalone company quite a few years ago. Um, probably when all the trouble started for for Huawei, with the rest of the world starting to get rid of the equipment, um, and more about Huawei a bit later on. But the Honor Magic 4 Pro um, also found its roots in in entry-level to mid-level devices. is an unbelievable looking device. I do hope I get to touch and play with one. Honor is not really a popular phone here in Australia, so I'm not sure if they're going to come through. But maybe given what it's done, and I'm not the only one to award it uh, handset of the show, by the way, just Google and you'll see how many people are blown away. So 250 megapixel cameras on the back, the, 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 the two main cameras, and a 64 megapixel periscope style camera as well. That is some incredible photographic power that they've put into this phone. Now I know that Huawei had a good partnership with Leica when it came to their lenses. Whether this extended through and or is still in place, I do not know and if it carried on with Honor when they when they were sold off. But um, they have positioned this phone as a camera phone, media phone. If you are watching the screen, you can or just Google it, the Honor Magic 4 Pro, um, you will see that it is really, it's got a nice curved screen, it is edge to edge. This is a fantastic looking device. The other thing or the reason I think that I had to award this as my phone of the show is it has 120 hertz refresh rate. All the gamers out there, yep, your hands are going up, 120 hertz refresh rate, this is what you need for decent gaming. So moving into a mobile gaming space, um, having a device that can capture incredible pictures, really beautiful looking screen, edge to edge, well over the edges as well, um, with 120 hertz refresh rate, I do think that this phone is going to turn some heads um, and definitely eat the lunch of some of the medium to even top end players. You know, um, I think what's important to note again is this is an Android device, and I've given it award of the show. Apple was not there. Apple never attends Mobile World Congress. Never has. Never will. Um, but remember, Apple is iOS, and it's the only device that sells iOS. So it's you know when I look at phones, and that I don't really, I would probably never award Apple the handset of the show, purely because you can't compete with it. only anyone with iOS. Now, Honor is using Android. It's The Honor 4 Pro is shot with Android 12, um, whereas Huawei has now moved on to Harmony OS, and I'm going to talk about that a bit later in the show. So, um, yeah, I think the, the Samsungs of the world, uh, TCL, anyone that started to really make a name for themselves in the Android space, they're going to need to watch out for this device. Nokia. So, um, well-deserved, beautiful-looking packages. It's really hard for me not being there to feel and touch, and, you know, I can only go through what people have read and the pictures they've shown and some of the articles, uh, you know, but this really looks like a kick-ass phone. So, I mentioned TCL. Um, Now, before you look at the screen, if you're watching, you go, oh, my, that is a lot. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine phones currently up on the screen. This is the TCL 30 series, so each year that's gone up, it was 10 and 20, last year was 20 and this year went 30. Um, We did talk about a 30 earlier on in the year, it was released at CES, that's the show in January, Um, but the whole lineup um, is there. Uh, I have gone through quite a detailed presentation of the TCL handsets, and the first question you might ask yourself is why would you possibly want to release nine phones? Now there's a very good reason this question was actually asked in the in in the media session that I went to, and the answer was actually quite simple and it does make sense. Every country has multiple telcos every country wants to be able to keep their clients and in order for a telco uh, for a handset manufacturer to get ranged within a telco, it's the what's in it for me attitude that seems to determine so if you were TCL and you went to see, well, let's just talk in Australia, right? If you went to see Telstra, Telstra's going to want a unique launch. And then you go around the corner to Optus and they're going to want a unique launch. And Vodafone, and, and, and. So by speccing multiple phones, and when you actually drill down to, and I'm hoping that during the course of the year, I will actually get these phones to play with. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking about the different specs, but basically, there's a lot of similarities between these devices, so much so that the unique changes or the slight mods maybe it's a screen size, maybe a slightly bigger battery, maybe slightly bigger memory uh, 4G, 5, well, most of them are 5G nowadays. But um, the reason they did this is they would be able to go to Telstra and say, you can launch, for example, the 20L um, and Optus, you can have the 5G, so that each handset manufacturer gets a chance to still offer what their customers would want without them having to sacrifice. So it's not so crazy when you look at it that the phones are actually quite similar. The reason I actually wanted to bring TCL up as well on today's uh, show, this is something I've been following for a very long time. It was hinted at last year, uh, fully launched now this year, and uh, it will release dates to be announced here in Australia. But this is um, is the, TCL Next Paper. So what it is, it's a tablet, but instead of your traditional tablet, and they did launch tablets as well by the way, and they launched a notebook. So they did a Windows uh, notebook as well. But um, what I really liked about this is that it's an affordable tablet, and Next Paper is to actually emulate paper. So the feeling of it, oh, if you're using the stylus and you draw, you it feels more like paper than it does a screen, And also the light has been lowered so you don't get this hurting on your eyes that you do from some of the other um, devices Um, and you know if you are if you're looking to use a tablet as a notepad which i do by the way i don't do anything in an analog way of shape or form so i use i currently use my ipad Um, i'm pretty sure that a tcl next paper when it arrives will be sent to me to do a proper review Um, but apparently when you write on it it feels a bit more like paper there's obviously that I suppose, scratchy feeling, and again, I wasn't there. I can't give you a hands-on experience. This show is just about mentioning the cool tech that's coming out of uh, uh, Mobile World Congress and things that I'm obviously hoping to look forward to, um, you know, as an, as this year progresses. So, speaking of paper, and I did mention Huawei earlier with the Honor discussion. Now, this is not a competitor to the next tablet, because the next paper tablet from TCL is still a color tablet. Um, it's just reduced lighting, right? And it's the way it feels. This is, however, a hands-on attack on someone like um, Remarkable, or even some of the Kobo readers that are now e-ink and designed for taking notes. Now, what Huawei has done here, this is called the, um, I can't actually remember, I think it's like the Mate Pad. MatePad Paper is what this is called. So it is a 10 inch device like the Remarkable. It runs Harmony OS, which is Huawei's now their own operating system. So, obviously, if you haven't been following it or you're new to the show, or you don't really follow technology, um, Huawei was just land based a couple years ago as you know, being a Chinese company that there was spyware and all the world stopped stocking their stuff. Google actually stopped giving them. Um, Android, so they developed Harmony OS. Now Harmony OS does actually run Android apps as well as apps designed for Harmony OS. And now with MakePad Paper, um, you now can run apps, remembering it is an e-ink display, so it will all be in black scale. You're not going to be able to run high-power apps and see proper graphic interfaces on an e-ink. But what is nice about it is that, unlike some of the other Notepad-only devices, you can browse the web. You could still watch games or read content or you know look at images or moving files. Again, it will be in black and white. Um, not black and white. That's such an old school saying. It will be black print or e-ink only. So this was really interesting. Huawei made a huge statement at um, Mobile World Congress. I mean, this was like an absolute raised middle finger to the world and saying, look at what we've got. They talked about the ecosystem. Um, their TVs, their laptops, their tablets, normal tablets, their phones, their made paper pros, uh, um, Windows machines, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, they haven't gone anywhere. I don't think they're going anywhere. And quite interesting to see what happens with Harmony OS. I personally haven't played with a Harmony OS device. I would like to to play with one. Maybe I will reach out to someone at Huawei and see if they can get one across to me. And I'll do a review on it. But very good to see them there. As I said, it was a huge, huge stand that they had, a very big presence. Maybe the time for the rest of the world to just suck it up and realize that, you know, they're not going to do anything. They're not yet a us. They just had to make cool tech. And their tech was always and still is very cool. Um, I don't even know what I'm showing you. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Because I can't do animation on my slides, unfortunately, that's the old device. I may have to just talk through this. So one of the interesting ones, and I've actually been following these guys on uh, Kickstarter. It's a company called, or a phone called Astro Slide. Astro Slide 5G was launched. It's basically a, what looks like a normal, what we've come to see, normal full screen Android device. And it slides out and lifts up um, to expose a full keyboard. So this is kind of the HTC touch pro and nokia communicator and that's what this slide is showing as i said i can't do all my animations using the um the built-in screen presenter that this has but at least i still have some screens to show so not a total loss but i actually had one of those so the little thing slide it so for those that are, are listening to the show it's uh it was the htc what was it called the touch pro and it, you slid the screen open and like flicked up and it had this little soft keyboard underneath and it was chunky and big and but I'm going back many, many, many moons ago. And in fact, I saw this at Mobile World Congress uh, when they launched it. So and I think I came back to South Africa and had to get one. So um, the fact that these guys were at Mobile World Congress showing off their device um, is pretty cool. That means that they've obviously finished their crowdfunding and they're into production. Um, I do remember them being a UK company. I am going to reach out and see if I can win to play with because as uh, people know that that listen and watch my show, I've always been a huge BlackBerry fan. I've always loved my BlackBerry. I still have a BlackBerry, um, and it's because of the keyboard. When it comes to doing a lot of emails on the fly, nothing better than a hard keyboard, touch keyboard, as opposed to the screen keyboard. So what else do we have there? There, I think that was the end of, of the actual, like, phones and devices. Um, you know... There was a lot to see, and it's, again, it's really hard to talk about a show that you haven't been at. Um, again, massive FOMO. But what I did notice is that a lot of the phones are coming out with 120 hertz refresh rate. As someone who games and mobile games, um, this shows us that what we've got to look forward to this year is a growth in the mobile gaming space. Now, you know, if you take Apple, for example, with Arcade, a big focus of Apple Arcade is... Um, You know, you pay a subscription service. There's over a hundred independent games that I've been playing some of them. Actually need to do some reviews on those in the RU game section. There's a change for myself, maybe next week, I'll do an Apple Arcade, um, one of the game reviews. But 120 Hertz is really super important, especially when you're playing first person shooters. Um, A lot of laptops, foldovers or convertibles. Why was this at Mobile World? Well, this is important, right? This shows that we're starting to get mobile again. We're starting to hopefully leave our homes, get back to the offices, get back to meeting face-to-face. Um, for those that are still working at home but maybe want to change the environment, go sit outside, uh, you need a laptop, you're obviously not going to work on a desktop to do that. So um, for me, uh, mo- look, they're all Windows machines, um, so it's not, it's not an operating system I use personally. Um, but obviously, for gaming, you do need Windows. Apple's still quite not there yet. Um, but the fact that we're seeing them as convertibles and foldovers—it's that play to, um, you know, the touch feel users' tablet environment. The tablet market kind of dipped off for a while, especially with work from home, because we weren't running around. So I'm going to take this as a positive—that we, um, you know, we're moving back into going out. So I didn't really get, you know, not being there in-person for me, and I've mentioned this the whole way through the show, and I'm, it's not that I'm moaning and can go, you oh, Brett, get over it. You weren't there. It, you know, I will be there next year. Um, but basically there's a section inside Mobile World Congress where all the innovation and startup is. And, um, yeah, I didn't get to see those. And those are the real gems of MWC. There's some that have been funded by um, Spain themselves in the city of Barcelona. they Give them free stands. These are like things that you would never ever see anywhere else. And you know, nine times of ten, unfortunately, they don't even make it to, to a commercial product. It's just cool to see them. There's a lot of software, there's a lot of like peripherals. I remember four years ago, I think it was when I was there, there was a company that came out with a case that folds over, and you put your phone in the case, and the other side was a screen. So it gave you what Samsung is doing with their foldover tablets. They already had this four years ago, but We were just using your phone and mirroring it across, you know. There was a phone that came out of Russia called the YOTO. Um, I've never seen a commercial version of it, but on the one one side was a full-color Android. The other side was an e-ink display. Why is it important? Well, if your battery dies, you can quickly put, you could take a screenshot of your calendar and leave it on the back of your phone so that you still knew what you had to do. You could have notes or something that you needed urgently on the back of your phone. Um, and even if your battery on your phone's died, the e-ink display stays there. And of course, you could also just keep changing the, the back of your phone, right, because you can change the display. So these are the kind of things that are really the the super cool and the very cool reason to go to a show like MWC or any of these big trade shows. And I don't think it'll be too much longer that we, we start to get back in person, which is fantastic. Um, I think just to finalize this week and i said this was just all about an update on mwc some of the insights that were really interesting and i mentioned that there was a lot of focus on the actual telcos the operators connectivity so 5g connections will surpass 1 billion this year that's the prediction and 2 billion by 2025. so if you see like every single handset manufacturer is now coming out with 5g um, and making it more affordable we're seeing more devices coming out with 5g there's a lot of these little mobile hotspots that are, are now 5G ready. Um, and we're seeing spend on infrastructure to increase 5G capability. The telcos and the service providers are seeing um, distributed video and OTT over the top providers increasing. Again, this probably goes hand in hand with 5G. But you know, for those that don't know what OTT, Netflix, Dan, uh, I don't know, Paramount+, Plus, Hulu, Binge, etc., cetera, et cetera. So that, the telcos are, 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 you know, embracing this a lot more. It's obviously revenue generating for them. One, you're consuming data. Two, um, you could probably buy those services from your telco. Here in Australia, Optus has a thing called Optus Hub, and inside, uh, uh, sorry, Optus Sub, and inside there you can actually buy all your subscriptions at 10% off. So you know, if you're sitting with five or six different subscriptions, 10%, it adds up, right? It takes what 10 minutes to cancel. By going direct and just moving it all into your billing environment. Um, so, yeah, basically, we're gonna see this is gonna be the year that they look at video and OTT. Private networks is gonna become a very competitive space. So, private network is basically when, like, what people use VPNs for to surf the internet anonymously, setting up private networks. You could use this for work from home. You could use this for if you were in an office and you needed certain uh, private networks, you know. Maybe you're working on a project um, that um, doesn't – you you, you, don't, you want to keep that separate from the rest of your um, your company. So private networks is quite an interesting space. Again, this is probably also because of things like 5G. It allows for multiple devices to connect without losing those speeds. AI was a word that was thrown around a lot from what I could read up. It was everywhere. from But it seemed to be more as the tool as opposed to maybe looking at AR from an intelligence and data and marketing point of view. Remember this is a show about mobile and mobile connectivity, right? So this was about network monitoring, this was about self-healing networks, automated network provisioning. Um, The the general discussion was that we're going to rely more on AR. Now what this means is that basically you know, we don't need people to watch our networks. Instead of getting a notification that comes to say, that says your network is down, the AI is already across it. It's already deploying whatever tools it needs to, the self-healing component. So that's quite interesting, um, is how the telco sector is going to be heavily investing and or utilizing or deploying artificial intelligence. Now, the only thing that, that does concern me is, you know, given the current situation with the war between Russia and Ukraine, um, when you have AI making decisions, then you potentially have a cyber attack um, or point of weakness where cyber attacks can come in. So this is something that is going to be need uh, needed to be monitored very carefully. I think that, you know, I didn't see the discussions as such. I know that cybersecurity was discussed, but I think as companies, as users, We do need to be more vigilant when it comes to our use and access of of the internet. Passwords, um, scams will be at an all-time high. The other thing, unfortunately, that uh, the people will take advantage of is our bleeding hearts. You're going to see a lot of uh, images of women and children being murdered in the war. You can raise money. Click here. Two things happen. One, you donate to a fake fund. Two, you actually hand over your credit card and it becomes very expensive. I'm not suggesting that you don't donate. If you have money to donate and you feel that you donate, that's fantastic. Good on you. Um, and please do. I mean, there's obviously a lot of people that are doing it really tough at the moment. Here in Australia, on the East Coast between Brisbane and uh, Queensland and New South Wales, um, we have been absolutely smashed by floods. Thousands, tens of thousands of homes have been lost. People have died. Um, you know, there's fundraising going on all the time as well. So, I mean, the world's always needing money and needing to raise. It's just unfortunate that, yeah, these people take advantage of that. So, don't not donate. If you wanted to donate, just maybe check the URL or maybe only donate to um, organizations that you know, like the Red Cross. They're an international organization, you know, um, who's UNICEF and, and so on. So, you know, maybe work with a big organization. Um, uh, companies and of course there's another very simple one right make a phone call if you see an advert that uh, is looking for donations look for a phone number phone them try and find out a little bit more information yes it is more work but at least that way you are protecting your credit card and your personal information um what else augmented and virtual reality it's still being showed um the problem unfortunately i say problem i love this space if you've been listening to my show or watching the show the last four or five years, you'll know that AR, VR, XR, extended, mixed, hyper, I love that space. Unfortunately, and we actually had, we had Roger Lawrence on the show last week as our guest, the headsets are still cumbersome, the equipment required to run it is still expensive, so this is going to limit the growth. Um, with the metaverse gaining traction, uh, you know, we are going to see more AR and VR. I'm going to hang my hat along next side to Tim Cook and say it will be AR that wins the race as opposed to VR, purely one from the cost to not being fully immersed, uh, whereas you know, AR will still put information for you, will have a lot more use cases, um, so yeah, it was still there, it was still being shown, things that we can do with AR and VR, not really more innovative and maybe just prepping for this this move into Metaverse. Uh, but that's what happens. And then I think the last thing was to actually comment on the metaverse. I mean, we did again. But the, the general sentiment and understanding, and again, this is telco level, is that the metaverse is going to generate 1.5 trillion by uh, 2030. So, you know, I have been kind of softening towards it. And that's like why I spoke to, to Roger on the show last week. We both have our cynicism, cynicism cynical outputs, viewpoints. Uh, on the metaverse Um, so yeah that's pretty much so I think you know basically that that sums up my little um, mobile world congress uh, um, recap all of you that didn't I did not not watch the Apple um, event this morning Um, and always talk about the Apple events this was about mobile world congress Apple had some really cool products what I'll probably do is just maybe touch on them or we'll circle back to them next week just to include them in the show um, so that I don't actually not cover an Apple event but by then it's a week old all of you that follow tech you will probably would have seen already but a new Air, uh, iPad Air the M1 processor that makes it really kick ass let's just do it now right why not we talking about mobility um, they launched a new color on the iPhone 13 Pro eh. But they didn't announce that they announced the new iPhone SE, the new version of it. So the SE, for those that don't know, it's a smaller iPhone. It still has the button, so it's not a you know a slidey screen. Um, they always normally downspec some of it. However, it's got the A fifteen Bionic in, which is the latest processor that uh, uh, the iPhone um, has. So this is quite a powerful product in a very small package or smaller package. Um, there was a super slick. MacBook Studio, uh, Mac Studio, which is like the new version of the Mac Mini or the old desktop uh, designed for professionals, like really does a lot of work. Ports coming out of it everywhere, connects to the new monitor or studio monitors they've just uh, uh, launched as well. So, yeah, um, nothing wild, nothing blown away there. Now, another member to the M1 family called M1 Ultra, which is like double the speed of the Max, or the Pro, which is double speed of the Max, which is double speed of the M1. And the M1 already is double speed of pretty much anything out there on a competitor. So Apple's heavily invested in silicon. Um, hopefully, their supplies don't dry out because that could cause a problem for them. But yeah, that will kind of bring it to the end of the Mobile World Congress show. So um, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. All the shows are, are housed in YouTube, the older shows. We don't go live on YouTube. Um, reach out to us, send us questions. As I said, this was just my little FOMO show from last week. Uh, We'll be back to the normal and uh, normal format of the show next week. So until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny.